Hey, everybody. Are you with me when I say life can be amazing at times, but it can also be extremely challenging? I know. I've been there myself, learned some valuable life lessons along the way, and now I'm here to help you. It's no coincidence you found your way to the Relevate podcast. I'm your host, Rena Olson, a self-proclaimed inspirer of others. Together, we're going to dive deep into raw and honest conversations with real people. My hope is that through these stories, you too will be inspired and ready to tackle whatever's holding you back or breaking your heart. Then you'll be free to live a life of purpose and true fulfillment. I promise it's possible. Let's Relevate. Hey friends, it's Rena Olson. Welcome to this episode of the Relevate Podcast. We're in a different heavy, dark time. That is the truth. And I also know that the greatest gift I can give to this time that we're in is some light. And the only way I can bring light is if I connect with the origin of the light, God and Christ within, and bring that forth. That is my friend, Vicki Fraker of Revival 356, a nonprofit organization. I had the chance to talk with Vicki at her 40-acre farm north of Metro Atlanta, in the midst of a pandemic, in a barn with roosters crowing in the background and a multitude of farm dogs at our feet. The setting was peaceful and serene, perfect retreat from the pandemic of 2020. Vicki is one of the wisest people I have ever known. Her spiritual well runs way deep. She preaches the gospel just about better than anyone, minus the religion part that keeps so many people away from a relationship with Jesus. For her, Jesus is found on the farm, amidst her animals, walking with women who are hurting and broken and needing help. She is real and uncensored. This is the second time Vicki has been my guest on Relevate, and I'm sure it won't be the last time. This one is deep, y'all. Take notes and truly listen to the wisdom and advice of this one-of-a-kind preacher-teacher farm girl on this episode of Relevate. Hope is not canceled. Vicki Fraker, welcome to the Relevate podcast, round two. Thank you, Rena. Thank you so much for coming out to the farm. Oh my gosh. This is just such a special place. And I know a lot of hard work and effort has gone into creating a space that is healing and nurturing. And it's, it's a place of restoration for people. And so for you to just be so free and opening your doors and sharing your wisdom and inviting women to come, come and restore, come experience revival here. It really, it's, it's a very, very special place. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it was mainly created because I didn't know how to experience peace within myself. Mm -hmm. Um, I kept trying to do um, what the world told me I needed to do. And um, since I was a little girl, I'd always loved animals, art, and nature and grew up in rural South Georgia. So um, I knew that in order for me to give away what was in my heart, um, I had to continually be refueled by it. And so this is where... Um, I feel God. It's where I feel stillness. It's um, it's being in nature and with animals. And so that's why um, my husband and I uh, created this sanctuary. Is um, It honors God, and we do that by honoring what he put in our heart. Mm-hmm. 
So not everybody gets it. You come out here and, you know, it's different. Um, It's different. So not everybody gets it. And that's okay, too, you know. Yeah, but it's so refreshing because we are so close to Metro Atlanta. Mm. And many of us in the the day-to-day rut of city living, we just don't get the chance to really be in nature and to have all these farm dogs greeting you when you arrive and our roosters crowing in the background. It's, um, and then the, it's just so beautiful with all the flowers. I mean, the hard work that you put into it is, makes it just extra special. Thank you. Well, it's a lot of people. It's not just me. I get to be the front person. But this place is run, you know, on volunteers. So it's a lot of, it's a lot of um, people that keep, that keep it going. Um, you know, it's just uh, stillness is, is where we're going to connect with God. It's, mm-hmm. it, it's uh, for me, it's, it's not going to be in my mind. It's not going to be in chaos and distraction. It's going to be in stillness. And this is where I find that I can get still. So. Yeah, most definitely. So a lot has happened since we were able to share our conversation for the Relevate podcast, which was almost exactly a year ago. We've been through a pandemic. Of course, nobody saw that coming. And kind of in the, the, the dust that has been kicked up as a result of that, I mean, I've just felt it in my heart that I needed to get back to the farm to get back in front of you Um, to really kind of get your perspective on what's going on. Um, Because if we listen to the world, the world is saying one thing, but I know you are not of the world. And you're going to give, you're going to come from a completely different perspective that I think we need to hear now, perhaps more than ever. Um. Well, it's just my perspective. It's just my vantage point. And so, again, I think it's always important um, to just remember. um, I'm not trying to um, get people to change their viewpoint. I just always share my perspective and where I've come from in hopes that people um, will find their own, whatever that is. Um, So in the event people did not listen to the first episode, and I will link that to the episode notes, just give us a little bit of background about, you know, the very high-level journey of Vicki, because you've been through a lot to get here to today. Yeah, it's so interesting. People see the place and me now and just assume that this was where I started. I was an athlete in my previous life. Um, Everything I did was about my body and strength and power and winning medals. And um, I just believed who I thought I was was um, that, just that, everything external. Um, I crashed and burned many times. They say in AA, if you're tired of hitting rock bottom, stop digging. Well, I just kept (laughs) on digging. There was a new low. There was a new low for me Um, in and out of rehab, (laughs) struggle with uh, depression, mental illness, Mm. bulimia. I was bulimic from the time I was uh, 16 years old. I was in treatment um, for alcoholism. And then I was also addicted to steroids. Um, I got busted for steroids as well. Hindsight, looking back, um, it's like I was bulimic and I was addicted to steroids. So if that's not running wide open in the opposite directions, it's like I was even confused about what abuse I was going to give to myself. I mean, I just couldn't even get that right. But um, ended up um, in a mental institution and met a woman there who absolutely changed the the direction of my life. Mm 
Um, her name is Pat. I refer to her a lot. And there was she didn't um, read scripture or quote. She just kept loving me where I was. Mm-hmm. And then she did present um, some some things to me. One of them being it's it's the work of Abraham Mas- Maslow and Carl Jung that in order for a person to change. They have to change who they believe they are. That's my interpretation of their work. Those aren't their exact words. But who I believed I was had to change in order for my life to change. And so what she presented to me is it has to be an internal shift. That as long as I keep going to the world for answers, Mm -hmm. defining identity, Mm -hmm. that it was just going to be one suffering after the next and that if I really wanted a wake-up call if I really wanted to change my life Mm -hmm. that that work was an internal job and didn't she help you understand that you were addicted to the suffering she did so that's one of the things that I always say is um, I didn't even realize it because again I grew up in South Georgia and you know was exposed to to Christian doctrine and had an incredible mom who loved and supported uh, me and an incredible sister and we were poor and and all of that but the way I grew up what I believed was was that I was a sinner and a wretched just really piece of shit there's no other way to say it and therefore I acted that out I really acted that out I thought I was bad and just unlovable unworthy all those things and subconsciously I kept acting that out and one of the things that Pat pointed out to me was not only are you addicted to many things but you're addicted to suffering and of course I was like no way no way nobody's addicted to suffering you know I was and 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 what What she meant by that was, I later learned, is no matter what good was coming my way, I couldn't receive it. I could not be the container for the goodness. And so um, I would turn it around and reject it or not accept it, or I just didn't really understand my worth of receiving who I was and what God had intended for me. And so I I call it a set point of suffering. Mm -hmm versus a set point of peace. So those are those are your bookends. Those are my bookends. And again, um, one of the things that we share out here at the farm is it's not either or, it's mm-hmm. and and both. So it's not that I have this perfect journey of I never experience suffering. I mean, look at what, what's going on in our world right sure. now. So how can I uh, feel my feelings and allow what's coming up, mm-hmm. but it not to be my set point of what defines me mm-hmm. is that deep suffering. The way I've heard it been described is, is if there is a dark hole and people are in the dark hole, mm-hmm. if you jump in the dark hole, you can't be a light to them. And so we have to recognize mm-hmm. if people are in a hole, including myself, sure. that there has got to be a way to get out of the hole. There has got to be a way to get out of the hole. But I can't, I can't be dark enough to bring light to other people. And that was her whole teaching. If you really want to bring the light to others, you've got to connect with the source of light and be the light. And that darkness is contagious. Not only is it contagious, it's to me, it's momentum. Mm-hmm. Once it gets a hold, a hold of our hearts and our spirit, it can take us to places that we that 
that are very difficult to make that U-turn. And so that's why, you know, as we were talking before you started, is I'm very careful of what I let in my heart and spirit. It's easy out here. You know, we are, we're very secluded out here. But I'm still connected through the Internet and phones and, and TV if I choose to be. But I protect my spirit because I'm highly sensitive. And when I see great suffering, mm-hmm. it's easy for me to get lost in the suffering and not be able to be a light to the suffering. And so I protect my heart and I protect my spirit and I protect it like a mama bear and a baby cub. I don't watch TV and let certain things in um, because I know I can't recover from them. I have that tender, empathetic heart. And I have to be careful too, because it, it affects me physically, you know. Well, our physicalness is connected to our spirit. They're all connected. It's not a place where one ends and then Mm -hmm. one begins. And so I just believe that like our greatest gift can also be, um, if not channeled properly, it can also be a thing that hurts us the most. And so if I know I'm highly sensitive and you know you're highly sensitive, we have a responsibility to honor it, but to also protect it. You know, and God makes us each unique for a certain reason. And um, I don't know, being a sensitive soul is it's not an easy path to take. It's not who he made us to be. It's but I don't think really any path is easy. It's not supposed to be. It's who we are and what we were given. And um, I just think we're just supposed to honor it. Mm-hmm. not judge it, not compare it. We're just supposed to honor mm-hmm. it. It's like, you know, I am it's highly, not right or wrong. It's not. It's just who God created us to be. And do I think he was like, oh, God, I messed up on that one right there. A little too sensitive. It's like, <laughs> no, he was, you know, it's like, but I have a tendency to do that to myself, you know, and in, in my previous life, especially. No matter what I was, I judged, criticized, was harsh with it. And, you know, a spiritual principle that I believe in, I've came to understand is what I do to me is what I do to you. Mm -hmm. And so if I do Mm -hmm. think I can be harsh, critical, and judgmental in my mind and then bring kindness and and, and Mm -hmm. support and encouragement to you, it doesn't work that way, that what's inside eventually is what comes out. And Mm -hmm. so uh, the the whole reason, I believe, that I'm to honor what God put in my heart and to bring that forth it's not for me. Mm-hmm. It ultimately is for others. But if I don't allow myself to be the vessel for it to come through me, what I give to others is Vicky's version. It's not God's version. It's just a watered down version. Mm-hmm. So I spend a lot of time with people in recovery and they truly are some of my favorite people mm-hmm. to have that mindset. You're never done. We're never done as humans, but recovery is fragile. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you can be 10, 15, 20 years out from it and you still have to, to really treat it with care. Yeah. I think anything that is profound in life, Mm -hmm. we're supposed to honor, revere and treat with care. Recovery is one aspect. Mm -hmm. So is my relationships. So is my journey. So is my healing. I mean, it just goes on and on. And Mm -hmm. when we understand Um, I think on a deep level, that it is who we are, then we honor where we've been. 
you know, I think a lot of us, you know, I, I, um, I can speak for myself. I tried to outrun my story. I tried to outrun my flaws. I tried to outrun um, everything in life. And when I did that, it took me away from who I really was. And I think that's why I felt like my demons or my wounds were always chasing me. Later, I realized it wasn't demons. It was God trying to get my attention mm. so I could turn back to him and say, what are we going to do with this? So I kept outrunning it. And I felt like I was trying to outrun my darkness. Mm-hmm. And I felt like God was, was saying to me, those are beautiful aspects of you, mm-hmm. Vicki, that I can turn into goodness for others. And so it's not so much about outrunning, um, again, which goes into not feeling our feelings um, or integrating pieces of our journey. Right. And, and I believe that's one of the calls on my life is to help people who struggle with addiction and families to understand it better mm. and to hold people up like you who have been through the valley mm. and have come out, you know, you've come out stronger you know, you survived it, number one. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're using your pain, your gunk, all that stuff that happened to help others. I think that's the whole reason for valleys and darkness. I believe, you know, that that is ultimately why I was created, is to take whatever suffering and pain mm-hmm. that I um, walked through and to do the healing work. That's what this place is all about. Sure. Because I believe, you know, to to the degree we suffer is to the degree we have compassion if we do the healing work. Mm-hmm. If we don't do the healing work, what we do is bring our wounded selves and um, fragmented parts of ourself forth. Mm-hmm. And so then we believe we're just a fragment and therefore we only see fragments in other people. And so the whole point of doing this, this continual, beautiful, messy journey is to stay on this path of remembering and reconnecting with who God created me to be and to stay connected to God mm-hmm. so that he can do in me what needs to be done, give me the courage to do my part, and then to use that to help other people find their own way, mm-hmm. not my way. But sure. their own way. Right. You, you never do know where you're going to meet people or where your story is going to land, right? Because we have God's timing. I don't think timing. we're supposed to, though, yeah. Rena. I don't think we're supposed to because, again, if we knew it, mm-hmm. our mind would plot and plan it out. Mm-hmm. That's like our will. That's We've gotten ahead of God. I always call that, you know, the ego. It's like edging God out. It's like I edged uh-huh. God out and I got in front. And I'm like, that's Vicky's will. So if we knew the beautiful journey, I think we would jack it up. We're not supposed to know. We're not yeah. supposed to know the people we're going to meet. We're not supposed to know the direction that we're going in. We are just supposed to. There's, I believe for me, there's a right order. When I go inward first mm-hmm. and connect with God, the Holy Spirit, what is there, and then bring that mm-hmm. out and let God bring that forward, I believe that order is um, the perfect order of God working through my life in the way that he can. When I go outward first 
and then try to integrate that in my heart, it's like I've gone to the world, like, who do you think I am? Where do you think I should go? What do you think I should need? And it's always going to lead to suffering. Mm -hmm. It's like this order that I share out at the farm and that I remain to stay on is outwardly is the mind and ego. Inwardly for me is where peace, surrender, and the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. is. And if I don't go inward first, I've gotten things out of order. So help us understand how you go inward. So it's it, I can just tell you for me what mm-hmm. that looks like. And for me is one of the things they say in AA, which actually is from Albert Einstein, the same mind that got you here can't be the mind that gets you out, is the way they say it in AA. Um, Einstein said the same consciousness that got you here cannot be the consciousness mm-hmm. that gets you out. So one of the things that I've learned on my journey is my mind was always going. It was cranked up Mm -hmm. and always going. And I learned through um, some different healing techniques that if my mind is always going, there is no room to hear God. There is no room to feel connect or be guided or directed because what I heard was always Vicky's voice in Vicky's head, you know? And so it's like, that's like the same mind that got me Mm -hmm. to this problem cannot be the mind that gets me out. And so in order. And that's hard. That's hard to, to know which one's which. Well, I believe that through repetition, it becomes clearer because there, if we can learn to just become aware that we're always on the move in our mind, then we can bring awareness to that. And through that awareness, space is created through our thoughts. So we start getting little gaps in between our thinking. I mean, Jesus said, he gave us a promise, there will always be a knowing after stillness, mm-hmm. right? Be still and know. Be still just isn't in our body. I mean, we can, or our mind, or it's stillness in our heart, in our soul, in our mind, that if there is some stillness, Mm -hmm. that clarity does come. And so many of us are so jacked up. We can't sit still for 60 seconds. I know when out here, when you start, you have people be still for What's usually for just for a couple minutes? Um, usually and, four or five minutes. And that is just, it's so long if you haven't worked that muscle right. and, you know, know how to turn off that, that monkey mind. Yeah, that's... So you can be still. It's a practice, though. It's so interesting that we we have these promises and we have these pointers and, and we have these guides and it's um, that, that peace and contentment and um, guidance is it's all going to be found in stillness and yet I think a lot of us are so afraid to get still because when we get still and even find just brief seconds in between our thinking we meet ourselves we meet the deepest part of who we are and that scares us because we're so used to judging, criticizing, and just listening to our mind, which always takes us to the future, what's going to happen, or to the past, what did happen. Oh, yeah. So we're always in this state mm-hmm. of not being fully present and alive for this moment. Mm-hmm. And so it's almost like we've become accustomed to discontentment. And so even out it's here... It's become the norm. It's become right. this set point. Oh. 
it's become the set point because again, repetition in our mind creates pathways in our brain. Mm -hmm. And so we're looking at what repeated thoughts do we have over and over in our mind. Mm -hmm. And so if it's always in the future or in the past, then we're never fully present. I think that's why some people get to the end of their lives and they say, like, I was never fully in my life. I was never fully connected. My kids grew up fast. Like, it's, we're always hungry for the next moment. Mm -hmm. And we're never at peace with this moment. And until we become peaceful with this moment, we can never be all that God wanted us to be. And I don't believe that I can connect with God. Because if I'm in the future and past, I'm in my mind. Yeah. This moment is where God is to me. We don't want to miss our lives. We don't want to miss it. It's it's so short. I mean, it's you it's, blink and like you said, done. your kids, your kids are grown up, and then you know. But we're always worried about what's next. What's yeah. next? When yeah. right now is what it's really all we have. Yeah, and I mean, there's a lot of research on that, whether you follow um, Bronnie Ware or whether you follow Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. It's, it's all these people that had the opportunity to meet with people at the edge of their life. Mm -hmm. And so they didn't have mo even months to live. They had days or hours. And so these, you know, hospice nurse or clinician, um, a doctor, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, and, and met with people and said, like, you're at the end. Mm -hmm. What would you give us for those of us that appear to have time remaining? And they compiled all this information, and it came down. I don't know the exact wording, but it all came down to two main things. Number two was, I wish I wouldn't have worked so hard. Yeah. And the number one thing people said in different ways, mm -hmm. but from my understanding was, I wish I would have lived the life that God created me for not the life that others needed me to live. So these are what people on their deathbed mm -hmm. are giving us for those of us who appear to have more time. Right. And so again, that's that inward journey. That's going within. That's what the farm is all about mm -hmm. is you can keep going out there for what you think you need, but it's not what you were created for. What you are created for is only going to come in here from the deepest part of, of yourself mm -hmm. and the deepest part of who God created you to be. It's going to come from within. Right. And that, to me, is what stillness is. Yes. You know, when I first envisioned the podcast, Relevate, I, I felt God laying on my heart that this was a ministry for women. But then once I started getting into it, it was like these conversations are really universal for both men and women. And I know my, my listenership is, is skewing stronger women, but I, I know I have, I have a f fair number of male listeners. But we can't, we can't be afraid to do the hard work. And I think once people kind of start like having a house that's super messy and you're like I'm gonna get clean it up and then you start cleaning it up and it's completely overwhelming because mm -hmm. <laughs> it's such a mess mm -hmm. a, a lot of our lives are that way mm. but but the only way you can you can kind of root all that out is to start somewhere and be intentional in creating the life that you want you know you don't you don't want to have regrets 
at the end. You said like, this is hard work. And what I would say to people who have that thought is, I can say this firsthand. It's not near as difficult as pretending and wearing the masks and holding up the walls as though it's not where you're at. You know, I didn't say that right, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's so much more difficult to carry the shit around, Rena, Mm -hmm. than to actually turn around and face it and know that God will walk you through it each step of the way. It's so much harder to pretend like our house is clean and all of those things to use your analogy, but that we're not really living in our house. You know, it's, it's, it's such a lie to say, Mm -hmm. if I don't deal with it, if I don't feel it, if I keep the lid to the box closed, then I, I can just keep moving. And that is such a lie because whatever is in the box is who we are and that's who we bring to life. Mm -hmm. So we may think it's being hidden, but other people feel it. Right. And once you start peeling back kind of the superficial Mm -hmm. layers Mm -hmm. and start getting to the good stuff, Mm -hmm. It is, I think it becomes, you gain momentum when you do that. And I think a lot of times what you may think your problems, your problem may be your husband, and it may not be, it may be you, you know, that brokenness that, you know, it's like, it's a whole lot easier to point the finger than to look in the mirror. Yeah, and Jesus is clear about that, to remove your own plank, right, before mm-hmm. you start looking at the speck in others. But that then becomes a lifelong journey. Like, oh, it's yeah. it's always our job. Like, again, um, one of the things Pat would say to me when I would want to defer about Eric's issues, you know, she was like, I don't care if your part is 1% of this issue and his are 99, we're going to look at your 1%. Mm-hmm. And that's what recovery in AA teaches, sure. to keep your side of the street clean, mm-hmm. to do your own work of what is going on um, inside of you. Because what is going inside of you is how you're going to perceive the situation. And so even like even something as huge and monumental as of where we're at in our world, Mm -hmm. we all have our own healing work to do. And I believe that's what a lot of this time is about. Mm -hmm. If we want to um, distract or blame or judge or just 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 become confused and chaotic, that's our choice. But again, how we mm-hmm. are with ourselves is how we'll see all these situations. Mm-hmm. And so, again, we can't bring forth what we don't possess. And if you think you can bring forth peace, kindness, and compassion, and you're at war and turmoil with yourself, you may speak the right words, but you won't be making a difference because they're only words. There's no impact or action behind it. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I say, like, I want my life to make a difference. I want my life to live with deep purpose and meaning. Mm -hmm. I want it to be more than just about me. Well, in order for it to be that way, then I have got to look within and be honest about all the blocks or lies Mm -hmm. that I have allowed to get in the way of God breathing through me Mm -hmm. and bringing that forth to help and heal others in the only way he can. So I have a responsibility and a job to do in this. And it's my work. I love being in the rural South and the churches and their signs. I drove by one on the way up here and it said, America, hope is not canceled. Mm. America, hope is not canceled. 
I think we're feeling we're fe- we're feeling so much anger and angst right now. We've lost our hope. What would I say to that? I just think it's all a gift from a good God, and I know people are going to take that and misinterpret it. I've said it before, and I've gotten a lot of negative feedback, but it really is my truth that things don't happen to us. They happen for us. And if you go to your mind, your mind is going to tell you why that statement is not wrong. So I'm not asking you to go to your mind with that statement. I'm asking you to go to your heart and spirit. Mm -hmm. So if I use that same uh, process, if we go to our minds for hope, our minds are going to point all the reasons why we can't be hopeful. Mm -hmm. We are called to go to our hearts and our spirit, Mm -hmm. to go to the promises, to go to the word, to go to all the things that are hopeful. Mm -hmm. And they're not going to be found out there and they're not in the world and they're not going to be found up here. This hope, this, this peace of God that passes all understanding first is found and connected with in here mm-hmm. because our mind will talk us out of it. Yes. And so, so I would say is be aware of what your mind is saying and then find some spaces and gaps in between your mm-hmm. thinking because when you can, there is a peace of God that will go beyond your mind. Mm-hmm. If you just allow it and give God space, you will connect with it and you will feel it. And then the other thing I would say is everything we teach out here is about compassion. So it's like if we're going to walk in a room and flip on the lights, if you're going to do that in your internal work and judge what's there, I would honestly say turn off the lights, you're not ready. Because if we flip on the lights and judge and look look at what's there and then judge it, there's just going to be more shit we're going to have to clean up from the judgment. (laughs) So let's flip on the lights, look at what's there, and then we have to strengthen the compassion muscle. And so I say all that to say, it has been my experience that however you were before, however you were in January or February, let's just say, is only magnified now in June and July. So if you were anxious, distracted, lonely, any of those things before, it's just magnified now. And if you were content and joyful and peaceful in the little things, in the little things, I mean, we have to be honest that we're in a different time. But again, if we're in a time of heaviness and darkness, if I become part of the problem of heaviness and darkness, then I am part of the problem, not the solution. And so I don't want to dismiss or discount that we're in a different, heavy, dark time. That is the truth. And I also know that the greatest gift I can give to this time that we're in is some light. And the only way I can bring light is if I connect with the origin of the light, God and Christ within, and bring that forth. So if I go out there and try to bring my external Vicky Mm -hmm. self forward... It's not, it's only, it's just going to be a f- some flicker that's going to go out <laughs> in a heartbeat. It, if I really want to be a light and hope and love, that is going to come from within. And it's, I'm going to allow God to use that to then bring that forth in the only way he can. Right. But if I'm always lost in my mind, what I'm going to bring 
is confusion, chaos, fear, lack, all of those things. And so I think God is asking us and calling us all Mm -hmm. to a different place and a different time as this, which is calling us to him, to quietness, to stillness, to nature, to animals, to to art, to creativity, to play, to whatever way he created you. I always say, I I need basics. If you're a bird, fly. And if you're a fish, swim. (laughs) If you were trying to be a bird and swim around, you would really be Mm -hmm. not doing a lot for life in this world. Flopping around. Flopping around. So it's like, Oh, just be who God created you to be. Go within. Connect with what is there so that you can bring the deepest part of that forth. And I believe that's what we were always called to do, Rena. It's just now we're in desperate times. Right. And I think we are living in such fear, you know, and God is very clear. In the Bible, he says, fear not, fear not, fear not. So if you're living of the world and you're just, you know, receiving these unbelievable doses of fear because you're always tuned in to the news about the statistics, the epidemic, the scientists. Or your friends that complain a lot that create fear again, or your family or people. Like it's, it's and how know. has this become political? I don't, I don't even understand how that's like a whole nother level. You know, it's like... I think there's woundedness inside of us, and it is so evident of all the wounding that is outside of us right now. And so, again, we can look at the different pieces of the pie, but we're missing the essence of the pie if we don't look at the whole. And for me, what I believe like that has helped me more than just about anything I have received on my journey is that we can't go forward until we go back. And that's part of what we're talking about. Like, we're afraid to go back because it's like, no, no, let's just move forward. Let's just tidy up and clean and move forward. And it's like, until we go back and gather the truth of what happened and what was left in the past, like pieces of ourselves, those fragments of ourselves, we can't bring the fullness of who we are in the present. And until we can do that, we can't move forward in our wholeness. We can only move forward in the fragmentedness of who we are. And I think people don't realize the power of one person, the power of one heart, one person, one soul on a mission to bring the light, to to do good. You know, it's like we've just been too busy creating careers and you know it's like we're just we're off track on what it means to be good people you know for me it always goes back to love God love people I mean that to me that is like cutting that's that's just what I try to be about and if you get those two things right right actually I think there are three and I could be wrong and you can edit this out if you would like but what God says is is separate this one from all the other commandments Mm -hmm. love God and love others as you love yourself okay there you go and so what I understand him to say Mm -hmm. and you have mm-hmm. a lot more biblical scholars that you can ask on this, but I can tell you what I know for sure in the way I live my life 
is when I'm loving God and when I'm loving others, there is a component that I'm loving myself and I can't do one without the other. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not talking about my external self. Right. I'm not talking about that. That to me is, you know, the, the external, what Jesus says, deny thyself. So there's two of me. There's a self and there's a spirit or an essence. I think sometimes we have to be careful with words because words can trip us up. I know they can me. If you started using religious words, I'd probably walk out of the barn because they just trigger me and trip me up. Mm. But it's like when I am loving and honoring God, the best way I can do that is to love and honor his people. Mm -hmm. And I can't love and honor his people if I leave the essence of who I am behind. That's so good. And I think we, we miss that. We are comfortable with putting ourselves down. I mean, that's the norm for a lot of people. I think we're taught that. And I think that for me, that's what I did for so long. But what I did was I misinterpreted God in scripture in a huge, huge way. I thought I was supposed to treat myself like a piece of shit and beat myself up. I thought if I was a Christian, that is what I was supposed to do. The first, last, the last first, or, you know, there's all these kind of things. I thought that that was the way I was to love Jesus was to abuse myself or hurt myself. I just took it to the extreme. And when I realized that Christ is within me right here, right now, not the external me, that will change. That is form. That will change. That is the external self. But when I can connect with the Christ that is within me, the essence, the spirit of who I am I am to honor and allow that to come forth in the only unique way I can, that I play a part in this whole. I am a piece of the whole. Mm-hmm. The spiritual world, it's like I am a wave on the ocean. You know, the problem with that is, is sometimes I'm like, well, why do they get to have surfers on their wave? Well, how come I'm not foaming like they are? Well, how come my wave is just a little bitty wave? Like, And it's like, no, you just are yeah. supposed to roll and be the wave of the ocean. But when my energy is spent on judging, criticizing, and beating me up, guess where my energy and focus is? It's on me. Sure. And so the interesting thing is, is that when I acknowledge and honor and caretake the essence of my spirit I don't think about me I think about others there you go and so it really is this reverse thing that's what I did the first part of my life Mm -hmm. I thought if I did good works I thought if I worked hard and cut myself down and was mean and abusive to myself that that was doing good works my whole journey was about me yeah but when I just honored and acknowledged my essence I don't even think about me because I'm so connected to God's children and God's Mm -hmm. people and to God that it's just natural that it's not about me. But the world teaches something completely opposite. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I think we all go to jobs and careers and even kids and all these things that we lose (laughs) in materialism. I forget about those things. Materialism. Especially around here. When we go to those things, and what I mean by is when we go to those things, how much energy and focus am I spending on those things? Mm-hmm. If we go to those things, we can't kid ourselves at the end of the day that we're going to be restless, lonely, and discontent mm-hmm. because we went outward yes. for what we're longing for inward. 
And then it doesn't mean that we don't need outward. We're in the world. We can't just pretend like we're not. We're in the world. Uh But if in the world is the sum total of our day, then we got to know we're not going to have peace within. And Mm -hmm. if we don't have peace within, we can't bring peace without. And for me, home is sacred space. Mm. And if you don't have peace within, your home cannot be a peaceful place of healing and restoration. Well, we're energetic beings. I mean, I know that may be a little spiritual and woo-woo, but we're all made up of energy. We're energetic beings. I mean, we all know it. When we, there are people sometimes that we just get so excited and we lean into and we don't, they don't even have to utter a word. And then there are some people that can just look and we just kind of push back. It's like our energy feels like we're energetic beings. Mm -hmm. So who you bring to your home, your oasis, your safe place to fall is what your home is going to be filled with. And so if you're at peace, there will be peace in your home. Mm -hmm. And that's so important, especially if you're a parent. Because you don't want your kids or your your spouse. What happens in the home is so important. You know, you take that and you radiate that into, you know, everybody that you you come in contact with. But for me, that is, you know, I really work on having a peaceful. Well, you said it in the beginning that you're highly sensitive or, or, or you're, um, you may not have used those words. You use the words of a tender heart. So you feel things intensely. And so of course you're going to feel when there's discord mm-hmm. in your home space, mm-hmm. in your oasis, you know? And so it's what, it's not so much of the, the, the pictures that are on the wall or the furniture that it's in the room. Mm-hmm. It's what am I bringing to this space. So who am I bringing yeah. to this space? So secondary what Vicky is, said. <laughs> secondary is the pictures and the furniture because I want be- I love beautiful yeah. things. Things that are me beautiful too. to me, mm-hmm. not that are beautiful to the world. Some people may come around and, you know, not like think what I think is beautiful. We're not supposed to all think everything is beautiful in the same way. So again, but who am I bringing to my home? Mm-hmm. Who am I bringing to my children? Who am I bringing to my job, my spouse? I mean, you can put anything in there. Who am I bringing to God? Who am I bringing this just rigid, just always riding myself? And if I'm doing that to me, then guess what? I'm going to do that to others. Yeah. Yeah. And another thing that's really grieving me is we're really living in like a gotcha culture. You know, if we say one word wrong, People are going to be, you know, ready to attack and make all these conclusions about what's in our heart. So I would just encourage people to just stop. You know, it's like we all have these hair triggers and we're just going off in all directions. It's like just you don't have to reply to everything. You know, you don't have to react to everything. You know, let's think good intentions about people instead of just being so quick to think the exact opposite. So I mean, here, we, we, we trip up on our words. And the more you kind of talk and put stuff out in the world, the more likely you are to step in it. Yeah, well, I love what Brene says. The, the, the more God raises your plat- platform, you become a bigger target. Sure. And so one of the things that I would say about that was, was what you said was um, 
we live in a, a gotcha society. Well, the reason we live in a gotcha society is because we're gotcha people. So we have to, again, look at where am I coming from that gotcha mentality? Mm-hmm. Because if I'm writing myself, see, you messed up. See, you did this wrong. See, you, you're too much, not mm-hmm. enough. If mm-hmm. I'm doing that to me, what is inside is what's going to come out. So I'm going to look for where I can pinpoint others' faults. It's like, again, it comes from doing this internal work with being kind, compassionate, and loving and peaceful within so that we can bring that forth. Mm -hmm. And so when I notice people are doing that outwardly, Mm -hmm. my first thing is, is, Pat taught me this, is not to judge people for doing that. It's to go inward and go, God, where am I doing that? Oh, yeah. Where am I doing? So if I'm noticing it, there's something in me that has a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. And so rather than just going, oh, yeah, they're, they're gotcha people. They're, just, they're, they're looking for ways to mess up. It's like, God, can you reveal to me the ways that I'm riding myself so hard? I'm waiting for myself to make a wrong move. Mm-hmm. Because I so want to bring a different love and energy outwardly that I've, you've got to do this in me. Right. And I think when we... When we are confronted with whatever, you know, we have a series of levers that we can pull and how we, how we respond and react. And it just seems like people are pulling that, you know, kind of that, that rage lever right now. I would say because they're pulling it within themselves. It really is an internal job. So if rage is what they're offering it truly is because rage is inside of them and then I never miss it that it's not about them it's about me so I ask myself God is there rage in me like again because if I don't go inward I cannot bring the opposite outward and so and so sometimes like if I start um, looking at where people are missing it like to, or, or where our world is going. Mm-hmm. And I don't go inward and go, God, where am I missing it? Can you help me see that? Mm-hmm. That's the plank and the speck that I understand yes. it to be. Yeah. And so, again, if we want that outwardly, we just have to be open. We just have to be open and say, God, please reveal to me where that rage is going on inside of me and it may be subtle it may not look like it is in the outward world but until we are willing to go inward and fix that within us we just can't bring it outward because the other end of the the spectrum is the love lever pull it sister pull it pull it but again if you're not honoring and loving what is inside of you you cannot bring that forth Mm -hmm. We may think we can, and we may, I mean. But how do we, how do we break through the clutter of society and let people know there are many different types of levers you can pull, right? I don't think it's what we say. I think it's how we're in relationship with God, ourselves, and others. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm not, I'm not just trying to be like, oh, a quick fix, tidy up, chip, chop, chip. But here's the thing is. It's not our job to let people know anything. It's our job to be who God created us to be. So if I'm not going to God regularly mm-hmm. and saying all throughout the day, God, what do I do here? God, 
What do you want me to bring forth? God, what are you trying to do with through me? If I'm going out to the world and saying, what do I need to do? Who do what do you need from me? Who do you think I am? What is my bank account? If I am doing that, we can't have that discrepancy mm-hmm. of wanting to pull the lever of love mm-hmm. if we're hanging on to the level, the lever of, what was the word you used? Rage. Rage. And rage can look... content. It, rage can look different. Like rage outwardly may look like what's going on, but rage inwardly can look like just beating ourselves up continually. It really is as within, so without. Mm-hmm. It Life is a mirror. Mm-hmm. Life is a mirror. And as long as we point out what other people are doing wrong or how other people are missing it, we don't ever get on the courageous journey of looking within and doing our own healing work. Mm. And that's what the farm in this journey, that's the journey I stay on because I get it wrong way, way more than I get it right. Again, but I, I really do have amazing women and I really have some repetition behind me of going to God instead of the world. Mm-hmm. So before we started recording, it was funny you said, so we've been in pandemic for how many months now? Three, three, three and a half, four. I'm totally losing count. But for you here at the farm, you said life is really not that different. Well, I'm careful to say that because I'm sure I'll get some pushback on that. And and uh, again, look, my mom's 80 years old and has rheumatoid arthritis, so she has she has some issues and some reasons to be concerned. So I'm not being flippant or dismissive. Like I think it's important for people um, to hear that, and I'm honoring you know in the beginning when there were certain restrictions, like whatever those are, um, we honored those. Eric told us what the what they were, and we honored that. So. Um, but not much changed out here. That is just, that is the truth of it in the sense of we're on a farm, we're in an open area. And because people support us and believe in the farm and believe what we do, we have an open cabin, an open chapel, this barn, a horse barn. We have 30 acres. So people that had never been out here brought their families on picnics, would get the Kubota and walk along the creek, would walk along the stream. You know, um, so our little sanctuary got to be a place of respite for people um, who maybe were living on top or Mm -hmm, subdivisions mm -hmm. and all of that. And so there were people out here. I continued my coaching and I continued as soon as the pandemic hit um the work that has been so profound to me and that has brought did you go virtual with any um, of your I did I I did and I do still Mm -hmm. for for some people but um is always the work of Eckhart Tolle in a new earth that brought me back home to Jesus in a way and a lot of people when they hear that um uh don't resonate with that and that's okay but I knew um in a meditation when I said Jesus what am I to do next because again, I always say, if we ask the question, why, why is this happening? Why do good things happen? Bad things happen to good? When we ask why, we're always going to be, it's going to be unresolved and we're going to suffer because we're not supposed to know why. That's not a, a high, a high question to ask that I've learned. It's what? 
God, what am I to do now? God, mm-hmm. what am I to do with this? God, what do you want me to learn from this? So it's what instead of why. That works for me. That may not oh, work. that's so good. Again, think about it. Why? Yeah. Our mind wants to know something yeah. that our heart is longing to know, but our mind can't process because God's not ready to give us the answer. I don't know why. That would be arrogant of me to think I do. Yeah. It's and why. when kids are little, that's the word they always ask. Why, why, why? But yeah. What? But as adults, you see it. It's just, again, it's, it's a much it's deeper a, question. It's a deeper question. God, what am I to do now? And I really felt like it was to offer the work that has been so profound to me. So I did the a virtual offering of that. And so for 10 or 12 weeks, I was deeply in this spiritual work. Mm-hmm not watching TV and the, the, the latest events and all of that. I was really working on my, my internal. Did you watch Tiger King? I don't even know what that is. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. I watch Heartland. No, Heartland <laughs> is my show. If I watch a show, uh, there's like 200 and something episodes, and I've watched it like three or four times. That's all I watch. It's about horses and relationships and people, so it's on uh, this um, farm. So, yeah. <laughs> Tiger King is only six episodes. It's um, if you want to be culturally relevant, you might want to check it out or I not. Don't. I don't, <laughs> Rena. I don't want to be culturally relevant. I want to be God relevant, and for that, I need nature. But I am open to other things. I do, like I say, I do watch this one show that I just watched. Heartland. I'm gonna, I'm gonna write that down because that sounds. Well, I have turned more people on to it. Um, it is just, I resonate. It's, it's this ranch where people struggle with relationships and, um, and it's all centered around. Is it reality? Or is no, that, no, 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 no. Um, but it's been like going. Like a drama? Um, I, yeah, I guess. It's, it's PG. So the, there's, it's just the essence of the people. I've, I've told some of my friends about it and they're like, oh my gosh, the acting's so bad. I'm like, the acting so bad. I didn't even notice the acting because I was so hooked into the story. It's about the healing of animals and people and how we can do that in nature and with each other is kind of my takeaway. Very cool. Uh, but you know, I have horses and ride and love horses. So anything that honors the spirit of a horse mm-hmm. and the power that it can do to bring healing to humans, mm-hmm. I'm in. Yeah, that's very cool. So we didn't really even talk about what I came to talk about, (laughs) but I I love these conversations with you because you are just, you are so deep and um, such a refreshing voice. So let's just talk a little bit about the only way out is through, which is your signpost number seven. The 23rd Psalm, that's probably quoted more than probably just about any Mm -hmm. scripture, you know, and there's such profound power in that that the process is through because because God could have said you go around or you you just you get a ride or something like that but he says through so in that word that is a pointer to me that if I really want to be connected to God that I have to go fully through things not around them and that means suffering my past relationships my woundedness it means all of that that I have to be willing to go through that and for me it was so evident because I kept trying 
to go around it. I really did think that if I just kept going, that it would not catch up with me. And again, it's like we said in the beginning, it was this good, gracious God who was saying, I want you to come back here to get those pieces that you left behind so that we can bring the wholeness of who you are forward. And you can't do that if you've left pieces of yourself, your story, your journey back there. And so to me, going back meant going back in order to reclaim, reconnect, and remember pieces of myself that I left back there because the world people told me it wasn't pretty, it was unlovable, it didn't happen, or whatever the case was that God kept saying, I want the wholeness of who you are to come forth and only fragmented pieces of you are coming forth. So let's go back and let me sew these pieces of yourself back to you. They're for you. They are you. They are you. They are you. They are who I created you to be. And by the way, I was there with you in the middle of those things. And if you negate those things, there are pieces of my work in you that you've also negated. It's that's that's a toughie for a lot of people. Because we don't we don't want there to be hard times. And when when they happen, we question God, but it is part of a full life. It yeah. is, there's going to be great times and there's going to be not so great times. Yeah, and it's so interesting to me. Human experience. It's so interesting to me, Rena, for somebody who suffered a great deal um, the, the, the first part of my life is, is, why are we so afraid to lean into suffering? That's, when I look at my life, that is when I was the most connected to Christ. That is when I was the most um, uh, deeply connected to life and the people around life. Mm -hmm. Healing and awakening usually doesn't come on the mountaintop. It doesn't. Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting that we want to dismiss or push away from or resist suffering. And even that posture itself creates more suffering. Mm -hmm. It does. Right? Yeah. That, again, if we allow ourselves to lean in and to accept that whatever is here in this moment is here because God brought this here and God is going to help us get through it, Mm -hmm. then we can go on about the business of leaning in and walking through it rather than denying it or resisting it. Yeah, and it's a much more straight path when we do that. I don't know if it's straight, straighter or not personally. I know it is more real and authentic, and it's the truest callings of why I'm here. So I think the world wants to work, to, to make sure it's, was that more efficient? That's kind of crossing it off. For me, I don't know. It's just a big, hot mess. But I know that when I get to the end of my life, that I'm going to say, because I walked through my life, that I know God will use my life and my journey for his good. 
all of it. The dark, the light, the mountaintops, and especially the valleys. Because when I walked through the valley, I walked it hand in hand with God. And then, and then it's not just the past that we need to walk through. You know, again, it's not just reclaiming those pieces. The only way out is through is what's here and now in this moment. Again, if I deny what's here, if I dismiss or judge what is here right now in this moment, like we can look at the world and where we are, if we're not honest that we're here, we can't get through it. We can only kind of half-ass go around it. Yeah. But we have to be fully honest and lean in and deeply accept mm-hmm. that we are here. And there's some responsibility that mm-hmm. comes along with that. Sure. So good. So <laughs> I know it's it's to me when I talk about the only way out is through. It's it's a journey of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. That was true for me and it was learning how to do the work of forgiving myself for all the ways I got it wrong yeah. and for all the ways I missed it. Well, I think just in paraphrasing we covered a lot of what you so beautifully captured in words on signpost number seven, the only way out is through. Vicki, you're amazing. You are a gift, and you are doing some really, really good work. One last question for you. Yes. It's the relevate question. Mm. So in closing, the word relevate means to uplift or inspire. Mm. So in wrapping this conversation up about corona and fear and walking through what words of advice do you have for people? Well, if going? relevate is inspire, to me that means in spirit. Mm-hmm. So we are in a time where we need to all connect with our spirit and be in spirit and bring that forth. Mm-hmm. Not just connect with our minds and our fear. Now is a time where we need to go within and do some of that really deep, profound work of connecting with our spirit and bringing the truth of that essence forth so that we can be an agent of healing in this very difficult time. And we can't give away what we're not in possession of. So if we want to give peace, if we want to give love, then we have to be at peace and we have to be loving. And don't be afraid to do the work. Mm, it will free you. It's, it's, it's freedom. It's not near as hard mm-hmm. as staying in prison. I can promise you that. Mm-hmm. What looks like the work looks so treacherous and, and, and hard based on where we are. But I can promise you firsthand, it's not near as difficult as staying stuck and carrying the load that we were never meant to carry which are the lies and the masks that aren't who we were created to be. Thank you, my friend. You are what I just learned so much whenever um, I had this chance to be with you. And I just know my listeners are really, really going to be enlightened by your words of encouragement. You're so sweet. Well, thank you, Raina. Always just what you're doing and and the courage that it takes to um, to bring this forth. I mean, because we we know that when we bring our heart forth, um, when we bring the calling of what God is asking us to bring forth, mm-hmm. it's 
it has the chance of being misinterpreted. And so, again, we just have to not listen to um, the naysayers or to the ones who misinterpret or or miss the mark with what we're saying. And so anytime there's a woman who's willing to bring forth what is in her heart, I honor, I bow down, and I salute you. So thank you. Thank you. You're much too kind. You're much too kind. Okay, talk soon. Isn't she just amazing? Every time I'm with Vicki, I feel like I'm sitting at the feet of a wise sage. I hope you enjoyed this conversation and got as much out of it as I did. Closing this episode, if I may share with you Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely, goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Stay strong, friends, and remember, hope is not canceled. I'm Rena Olson, and this is Relevate. <laughs>